Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoyed the message. I, uh, you know, I noticed it was raining this morning, and you came anyway. Thank you. Um, it, it reminds me of the story of, um, of the last uh, big flood we had. Well, I think this story actually came out of Katrina. And um, uh, one of the sections of uh, the Gulf Coast was flooding, and some of the uh, first responders and emergency response people were rescuing people from their homes. And three guys pulled up with a boat in front of a lady's home. She was kind of uh, on the porch, the roof of the porch. And as they started to get her in her boat, they looked, and there was a hat floating out in the front yard. But they noticed all of a sudden it was floating in a pattern back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And they said, what is that? She said, that's my crazy husband. He said he was going to mow the lawn come hell or high water. (laughs) Now, now what... (laughs) Now, we tend to live our lives that way sometimes. Everything's falling apart, and we're focusing on the minutia, stuff that doesn't really matter. You know, our, our whole life is being swept away, and we're going to cut the grass. <laughs> Doggone it. Well, we are in the second week of an eight-week series that we're calling Getting Healthy Again. And uh, we're facing the fact that because of our sin... Because of our sin and the sin of other people, we have hurts and we have hang-ups and we have habits and we have heartbreaks that have train-wrecked our lives and train-wrecked the lives of other people that we, we love. And we've been go- we're going to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, first few verses, the Beatitudes, to discover, to learn the steps that Jesus will take us through to put our person back together. Because remember, when our person gets put back together, the world tends to look just fine. Now, we discovered that these are a series of steps that we take. Now, and again, a caution, what I'm teaching you based on the Beatitudes is not every, all the truth that we find in the Beatitudes. In fact, um, this is just one more. I've been to this passage many, many times over the 31 years I've been your pastor. And each time we turn it in the light a little bit to see more insights, I'm turning it in the light so we can see what it has to say to us about getting our lives put back together. Now, last week we learned the first step, and you're going to meditate on it all week. But here's a reminder. I think it's going to be on the screen. Here's the first step. I realize I'm not God. Admit I'm helpless to control my tendency to do what I know is unhealthy and confess that my life is unmanageable. That was the very first step. Now, when we admit... That's the first step. When we admit that we have a problem, a sin problem, that we are spiritually helpless, we can begin to feel hopeless because we're facing the brutal facts for the first time. Oh, that's what we've been trying to avoid them sometimes for years. We're facing them for the first time. We can uh, begin to feel overwhelmed and hopeless uh, to change. So we start to grieve or to mourn our sin, our problems, and our problems caused by our sin or the sin uh, of, of others. So God takes us to step number two, the hope step. And we find it based in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, the very next beatitude. Look at it. It says, God blesses those who grieve, or blessed are those who mourn. 
And it's speaking of mourning our sin, mourning the the consequences of our our sin and self-centeredness, mourning the habits, the hurts, the hang-ups that have come because of uh, our condition and living as if we had no need of God. Blessed are those people who grieve. Why? Because they will find comfort. Comfort from God. He gives us help. So this brings us to the second step. Take a look on the screen. Take a look in your note sheet and your bulletin. Jot this down. You've got to get these steps. Here it is. I earnestly believe God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. He has the power to help me recover. Listen, you can't get healthy without hope. You, you, uh, you can go 40 days without food. You can go about eight days without water. Uh, The average person can go maybe up to three minutes without oxygen, but you just can't make it a second or two without hope. you got to have hope. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 14 says it. Look on the screen. God said, no one can live with a broken spirit. No one can live with a broken spirit. No one can live without hope. So you and I need to know how to find hope for change once we're facing the brutal facts of our condition. Rather than being overwhelmed with hopelessness, we need to find the steps or or how to find hope for change when things might seem hopeless to us. And the Bible tells us we can have hope if we'll remember five things about God. Five things about God. Now, I always tell you one of the reasons that God has us gather every seven days for worship is to repound the nails, to remind us of the things that we need to be reminded of. And I'm going to remind you of five realities of God that will help you and me, no matter what we're facing, help us find hope. And here's the first thing. Jot it down. Number one, remember God is with me. Remember God is with me. Or just say, remember God. Remember God is with me. Job, who had a little bit of suffering in his life, in Job chapter 8, verse 11, the Bible says this, those who forget God have no hope. Those who forget God have no hope. You see, when we forget God, we think we are responsible to handle all things on our own, and we lose hope. We begin to act the wrong way. We begin to act in sick ways. We begin to act in sinful ways, and we begin to act in destructive ways. On July the 22nd, 1983, Alexander Solzhenitsyn published an article in National Review. And he said in that article, if we wanted to summarize uh, the reason for all of the problems of humanity that we we experienced in the 20th century... uh, All the bad things, you could sum it up in one phrase. And that one phrase was the title of his article. Here it it is. Men have forgotten God. Men have forgotten God. And when we forget God, we stopped acting like human beings and we began to act like animals. You remember in your eighth grade, in eighth grade, they made you read Lord of the Flies? Yep, that, that was the point. That was the point. We begin to act like animals when we forget God. When we forget God, we tend to be selfish. And when we forget God, we lose hope. And so remember, you say, well, pastor, I, I believe in God. I'm not an atheist and I'm still all messed up. Why am I such a mess still? Well, I, I think that's a fair question. I think that's a very good question. And let me explain it this way. 
One definition of, of atheism or an atheist is a person, is someone who is living as if practically, as if there is no God. And if that's the definition, then I know a lot of Christians who are atheists. Because even as we believe in God, we often act when it comes to our problems caused by our sin that there is no God, that we've got to fix them on our own. I've got to solve this problem. I, I've got to do this on my own energy. I've got to figure it out all by myself. I, if we don't, we don't consult God, we don't pray to God, we don't seek his guidance, we don't think of him first if we think of him at all, we think I've just got to figure this out. This is called practical atheism. For all practical purposes, we are atheists. And, and many Christians do that. In fact, I've defaulted to that as a pastor at times. I just forget. We forget God. So here, in, here's a good verse for us to memorize and meditate on and pray through when it comes to this thing of remembering God. Psalm 94 verse 19 says it this way. Lord, when doubts fill my mind, when my heart is in turmoil, quiet me and give me renewed hope and cheer. Good way to remember God when we need hope is to pray to him and ask him for hope. Give me hope and cheer. So let me see your eyes. First thing to remember about God when you need hope, when you're gr in grieving the reality of the condition that you're facing is that I, re I remember God is with me. But not only that, I remember a second thing about God. I remember God not only is with me, but he also cares about me. Now that steps up the, the wonder and the good for it just a little bit. I remember God cares about me. The prophet Jeremiah, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, penned these words in the book of Lamentations in, in chapter 3, verses 21 and 23. He said, I have hope when I think of this. The Lord's love never ends. His mercies never stop. They are new every morning. That's why we sang about it earlier. His mercies never end. His love never ends. He loves you. You matter to him. You are never off his mind, the Bible says. And the Bible's very, very clear about this. And that God's love is unconditional and therefore unending. In Jeremiah 31 verse 3, this very same prophet recorded the words of God. God said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Now, I really drilled down on, on the word studies there on that word everlasting in the Hebrew. And I pulled out all of my Hebrew lexicons and studied that. And what I discovered that it really means is like everlasting. It means everlasting. It means everlasting. Um, Rembrandt, uh, my favorite painting by Rembrandt. Now, don't, don't, be, don't be too impressed that I even know about a painting by Rembrandt. You know, most of my art comes out of the cat in the hat these days uh, with my grandchildren. You know, that's more my taste. But um, Rembrandt uh, painted his magnificent The Return of the Prodigal, The Return of of the prodigal. And um, in Luke 15, Jesus tells the story of a young man who insulted his father. Uh, he insulted him by telling him, in effect, that uh, he wishes he were already dead. And he did so by asking for his share of the inheritance in advance of his father's death. And in, a ter in that culture, a terribly insulting and embarrassing thing for a son 
uh, to do. And the father shocked everyone by granting his request, giving him his share of the inheritance. And he left and went to a far country and squandered it, partied it all, all away and found himself homeless and hungry and in great, great trouble. And, and uh, finally, he comes to his senses and he, decide, he repents and decides to go home and seek his father's forgiveness. And the father sees his son returning in a distance after many, many uh, months and runs to him. And instead of rejecting him, giving him a scolding, welcomed him home by loving, forgiving embrace. Can we pop that painting back up there just a moment? Can we, are we able to back up? It's a little hard to see there, but the painting itself is, is kind of dark. But you see in the center of the painting the son kneeling and being embraced by his loving father. But notice over to the side there are some observers, the friends of the father. They're observing this young man receiving the forgiveness of his and the loving embrace of his father. But they're not experiencing that love, are they? Why? It's not a trick question. They're over to the side. <laughs> it's not a trick question. They're, they're over to the side. They have... They have not felt the loving embrace of the Father. Have you ever allowed yourself to go and kneel before the Lord Jesus Christ as your loving God and feel his forgiving embrace? Have you? Why not? Why not? Have you ever done that? Well, you might be thinking, but Pastor, you you don't know all the bad things I've done and the bad things I've suffered at the hands of others that have scarred my soul. Maybe God would forgive me, but I... I'm not worthy to come to him. Well, if you're thinking that uh, right now, then you still think God's love, is un- God's love is conditional. You still think that he loves you on your good days and frowns at you on your bad days. Anybody? Why? Why do we feel that? Because that's what we do with people, even the people we love the most. Ours is conditional. God help us. But his is not. His is not. Listen to what the, uh, God says in the scriptures in Psalm 103, verses 13 and 14. He is like a father to us, tender and sympathetic, for he knows what we are made of, dust. Now, in the King James Version, it says, he knows that we are but dust. And when I read that years ago, some of you remember, there was a little boy sitting with his daddy, and he leaned over and said, did he say we're but dust? well maybe (laughs) that's what it says right there in the king james translation we are but dust but he he know he knows we are weak he knows we need his grace he knows we need his mercy and he eagerly gives it so Look at me. If you, want, if you want hope to change now that you've taken the first step and you're facing the reality of your hurts and habits and addictions and problems all caused by your sin or the sin of others, your spiritually helpless condition, rather than being hopeless, remember God is with you, but not only is he with you, he cares deeply about you. And that's not all. He also knows everything about your circumstances. He knows your situation. Look at this. Psalm 56 verse 8 says, You know how troubled I am. He knows how troubled you are. 
He knows my problem. He knows my pain. He knows the things that hurt my heart. He knows my sin and my sins. He knows my addictions. He knows my perversions. And he knows about all the evil things that other, other people have done to me that have scarred my soul. He knows all that stuff. Well, you might be asking, well, pastor, how is that, how is that possible? Nobody knows everything. God does. God does. God does. Just because it's beyond our comprehension for there to be a being that knows every single thing does not mean that he does not exist. We are finite. He is infinite. He knows everything. The Bible says he does. He knows all of your habits. He knows all of your hurts. He knows all of your pain. He knows all of your sins. He knows all of your addictions and heartbreaks. Uh, Look at that same verse goes on to say about God 56 verse 8. You have kept a record of my tears. You've never cried a tear he didn't know about. You've all heard people say, nobody knows what I'm going through. Heard it this week, somebody I know and love very much. Yeah, but you just don't know what I'm going through. Nobody knows what I'm going through. You know, when we're, when we're not facing our problems and admitting our helplessness, we fall into this thing of saying, yeah, I'm unique. Guess what? There is one thing about you. You're not unique when it comes to suffering. <laughs> You're not. You're not. Nobody knows the hell I'm going in through at home. Yeah, he does. God does. He knows. The psalmist said in Psalm 31 verse 7, you have seen the crisis in my soul. I mean, deep down in my soul, the the thing that nobody else can see, you can see. He can see it. He knows our situation. He knows about it. He cares about it. And there's hope for change if you will trust him. If you feel hopeless in a situation, just you just need to remember that God understands it all. He understands your situation. Now, let, let's pause a second and think. Okay, how would you behave? How would you think? And how would you behave? What would you do if it really was true that God completely understands your situation. Let's just imagine, that's true. Let's just say that's reality. That's true. How would you behave? Well, I think you'd talk with him about it. I think you'd begin to talk to him about it if you really, if it's true. So why don't you? You know, faith is living as if the Bible was true actually true and it is and so talk to him about it and I think you would also be quiet and listen to what he had to say about your situation so begin to carve out some time to talk with him I don't mean on the fly while you're doing a million other things I mean get an appointment with God and keep it and listen to him because remember God is with you but he's not only with you he cares about you not only is he does he care about you he knows everything about your situation and it gets better here's the fourth thing to remember about him is that he has the power to help he has enough power to help he has the power that you do not have he has the power that i do not have jesus said in luke chapter 18 verse 27 what is impossible for men is possible with god Now, the Bible says that God is omnipotent. That's a big 50-cent theological word that means that he has complete power, all power. He is almighty. When people sometimes even, it's interesting that 
people who are flipping about God or sometimes they talk about him as, well, you know, the Almighty. Kind of say it like the man upstairs. Don't say that silly thing. But, you know, well, the Almighty and, you know, he is, but he is. They're right about that. He's the Almighty, all power. He has all powerful because he has, uh, his power is unlimited. He never gets tired. He never gets fatigued. Deborah, do you remember that? What was the little boy, uh, friends of you and Chuck? And he was a little bitty and he prayed, prayed, prayed when Chuck was so sick. And Chuck laughed one day, told me that uh, he was praying at night and uh, he liked to pray for a long time with his daddy. And his daddy had called Chuck and he was wanting to pray for Mr. Chuck to get well. And, uh, and, and his, you know, how many have been praying with your kids and you're just dead? You know, you can't. You said, oh, yeah, I need these kids to go to sleep. You ever done that? Whoo, yeah, I have. I'm keep, we're keeping our grandkids this week. It's very fresh on my mind. <laughs> and so uh, this little boy, he's a little bitty. He's about five or six. And his daddy said, now, son, we need to finish up because God probably tired too. And he looked up and said, God, don't get tired. Write that down. God doesn't get tired. He doesn't get fatigued. He never wearies of hearing from you. He has all power. He has the power to help. And he cares um, about us and can help us with these things. Now, I'm not a scientist nor the son of a scientist, but I read this week that some scientists tell us who study the sun that our sun radiates more power in one second than has been used by all of mankind on earth throughout history. That's a bunch. That's a bunch. And that the sun, it's estimated that our sun has enough power to burn for the next 30 billion years. And there are gazillions of suns. And our God cre- had the power to create all of them. His power is unimaginable by the human brain. And yet he says, I make that power available to help you with your problems. You know, and we don't need to actually be able to fully comprehend all of the power of God. We just need to have enough trust that he can help us with our little old piddling stuff. And he will. And he does. And he does. Listen to this. Romans chapter 4 verse 18 says, when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. And he said, I will help you. I will help you. In Alcoholics Anonymous, we we have some language about recognizing a higher power. But when we come to the family of God, we we have even better news. Uh, The higher power has a name. In fact, he's not a power. He's a person. He is the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He has a name. And he wants a relationship with you and will help you and help me. Now, you might be asking, okay, pastor, so if God has all this power, let me go back to my condition again. Why am I still messed up? Why am I still messed up? Why am I still addicted? Why have I not changed? Well, again, good questions. And so let me, let's, let's take a look at this next verse. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. It's going to be on the screen. 
For God is at work within you, giving you the will and the power to achieve His purpose. Philippians 2.13 For God is at work within you, giving you the will and the power to achieve His purpose. Now, look at me. He gives you the will, the motivation, the desire, and the power, the ability, the enablement. Now, He doesn't give you willpower. Willpower is our own self-energy. Willpower, you know, if you've already tried that, it will never, ever work. But He gives us the desire and the ability to do what pleases God, to live the way God wants us to live. He gives us the energy to complete what He has given us the desire to do, and He does it by the indwelling presence of His Holy Spirit. He empowers us. Uh, He will give us power beyond our own. Now, let me ask you another question. If it was actually true that Christ will give you His power to live by and to live the way that He designed for you to live, if it's actually true and He he had the power to put your person back together, how would you, what would you do? If that was actually true, what would you do? Well, I think you'd ask Him for it. I think you would ask him for it in faith and uh, to give you the will to obey him and the power to obey him because he'll answer his prayer, this prayer according to his will by, your, by his Holy Spirit. Now, remember, he has this power. So, so, so if you are, you've taken the first step and, and faced your spiritual helplessness, and admitted all of the problems that your sin and sorriness and the sin of other people have created in your life, hurts, hang-ups, addictions, whatever they may be, and you find yourself grieving the brutal facts, move on to the second step of hope by remembering these things about God. Remember God. Remember He's with you. Not only that He's with you, but that He cares about you. Not only that He cares about you, but He knows and understands your situation perfectly. Not only that He understands you, but He has the power to help you. There's one more. Remember that He will help. He's willing to help. He promised that He would help. I remember God has promised to help. The psalmist prayed in Psalm 119, verse 81, I expect your help, for you have promised it. He promised to help. And so if you want to have help in a hopeless situation, uh, something that you thought was never going to change, Remember, God is with me, God cares about me, God knows my situation, God has all the power needed, and He has promised to help me. And these five truths are summarized in the hope step, second step to getting healthy again. Let's review it one more time. I earnestly believe God exists, that I matter to Him, and that He has the power to help me recover. Look at this next verse of Scripture, 2 Timothy 1, 7. It says, The Spirit that God gives us fills us with power, love, and self-control. Again, if by faith we submit ourselves to the indwelling presence and control of God the Holy Spirit, He says right here, I will give you power, love, and self-control. These are the three things that you need to get healthy again. The power of God, the love of God, and self-control. 
for Jesus to put your person back together. For example, he will give you power, power to change what you cannot. Uh, Because you can't change on your own. If you could have, you would have, but you can't, so you haven't. And so, call on God's power. He will give you love. Now, what is love? Well, there's a lot of ways to describe it, but in this context, love is the capacity, the power, the ability to establish deep, meaningful, healthy, satisfying, authentic relationships rather than shallow, superficial, hurtful, painful, selfish, sinful, destructive relationships. And boy, do we need that in our life. We need love, God's love in our life, power, love, and self-control. This is God's power in your life to give you the ability to say no to what he says no to and yes to what he says yes to. To say no to the things that you know are sinful and destructive and, and therefore unhealthy for you and others that you've been saying yes to. And to say yes to the things that bring health and hope. He gives us that, that power. And you can have all three of these things if you'll stay connected to the source, Jesus Christ. Now I want to pray for you. Let me pray for you. And then I'm going to lead you through a time of prayer. Let's pray. Let's pray. Now in step one, we admitted that we were powerless to change unhealthy habits, things in our lives. In step two, we recognize God has the power. We need to make those changes. In step one, we admitted that we were spiritually powerless on our own to change. But in step two, we say it's not hopeless because God has power I don't have. Heavenly Father, I want to pray for all of us in this room. I'm sure there are people here today who feel pretty beat up by their circumstances. They're feeling hopeless. There are probably some here who are in so much despair they may have even considered taking their own lives to end their pain. Help them. Thank you so much for bringing everyone here today so we can have this new hope. And Lord Jesus, I know you love everyone here very much. And I pray that in this moment, you'll grant every one of us grace to turn everything over to you, get reconnected to you, so that your power can flow in us, give us the will and the power to do what pleases you, to begin living a life of great hope. Now you pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I remember you, and I remember that you are with me. You know exactly how I've been feeling this week. You care about me, and you understand and know all the confusion and sadness in my soul. Today, I want to turn to you and turn it all over to you once again. Help me to know and to experience your unconditional love. Even in the ugly areas of my life, I thank you that that I matter to you. Help me to remember that you know all about my situation. 
Help me to remember that you have all the power needed to change me and put my person back together. And help me to remember that you have promised to help me. Today, I want to take step two in getting healthy again. Lord Jesus, I believe you exist. I believe that you love me. And I believe that you have the power to help me get healthy again. So I put my trust in you. Now, help me to stay connected to you moment by moment, day by day. And I give you thanks for these things. Lord, I thank you for hearing these prayers. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword DOGWOOD to 77977 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and to give.